Hello and welcome home. You're listening to the Tribe Abuja podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you to know and make known the truth and love of God the Father as expressed through His Son, Jesus. Let's listen to the message. Let's go to Acts chapter 12. (coughs) And we'll read from verses, um, let's read from 1 to 5. 5 is our major verse. But we want to look at a few things in Acts um, 1 to 5 for context. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, wait on me. Okay. The I'm there is still the wait on me. Hurry up, bro. All right. Let's read Acts 12. Okay. I'll read. It says, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. But when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But the earnest prayer of the church was made to God for him. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out that very night, Peter was sleeping. Everyone say Peter was sleeping. Between two soldiers bound with two chains. Everyone say two chains. And sentries before the door were guarding. You you know him. Don't act like (laughs) you know two chains. Before the door were guarding the prison. Verses 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side that's that's a that's a holy way of saying he slapped peter on the side and woke him up saying get up quickly and the chains fell off his hands and the angel said to him dress yourself and put on your sandals and he did so and he said to him wrap your cloak around you and follow me and he went out and followed him he did not know that what was done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gates leading to the city. It opened for them. Everyone say it opened for them for its own accord. And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Everyone say they were praying. Now, all of this was happening because, remember, verses 5 says the church earnestly prayed and everything was happening, but they couldn't see what was happening. They were still what? And so sometimes in your prayer life, this is why you must be encouraged. Because whilst you're praying and you're getting tired physically, you don't know what's already materializing somewhere. And this is why you have to pray with a commitment. You have to have commitment in your heart because prayer works. Everyone say prayer works. Many gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice. In her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. Can you imagine? Your answer has come to you and you're saying, it must be a joke. They they insulted her for her faith. That's deep. 
you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting. You see, when you come out of prayer, you have the ability to be uh, in, in uh, perseverance with life. Because she was in the prayer room when they when they told her you're out of your mind. That, that fire she was experiencing kept her insisting, even in the midst of the believers that were in unbelief, that were, it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. They kept saying, it is his angel. So it wasn't like dismissive, like, oh, um, no, it's his angel. They were like, it's his angel. It's his angel. And they were agreeing with themselves in their unbelief. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described them how the Lord brought him out of prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. One of the primary things God wants for us, one of the primary things God wants for your life is revelation. Everyone say revelation. I dare say that Christianity is not powerful without revelation. What differentiates you from saying I'm praying and an unbeliever when they receive their award saying I prayed for this? What differentiates your utterance of I'm praying and the unbelievers I'm praying is revelation. Does that make sense? Revelation is so important. Revelation is light that shows you what's really happening. And God desires so intentionally and so fervently that his people not just be a people of knowledge, but of revelation. You know, the Peter, uh, Paul says, I want that you be filled with wisdom and what? God wants you to not just know what is written, but what's intended about what's written. It's like, for example, you don't know what's happening behind that curtain in the back of the room. But if I move the curtain, you're able to see what's happening, right? So what Revelation does to us is that it shows us what's really happening. What's really happening about your life? What's really happening about this world? What's really happening about this nation? God wants to show us what's really happening. Um, let's go to Ephesians 1.18. We're going to do... Um, a, a, a lot of teaching, but I will preach. And so I will declare some things over you by God's grace. But Ephesians 1.18, let's, let's read that. Someone go to Ephesians 1.18. Um, Manasseh, if you can go to Ephesians 1.18. And uh, who's there, who's there, who's there? Uh, we we'll say if you go to Galatians 2.2. And then, Manny, you can read for me. Once you have it, just read out loud. I pray that what? I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope. Okay, hear this. I what? I what? I what? He didn't say I study or I'm talking so that. But he said I pray. Everyone say I pray that your heart be filled with light. What does that show us? Without prayer, you never come to revelation of what's really happening. Is there anything in your life, maybe you're, you're trying to grow in Christ, maybe you're trying to uh, uh, get a job, maybe you're trying to um, advance in one area or the other, 
but there seems to be a resistance. Revelation is what will show you what's really happening. And really and truly, revelation comes from the mouth of Jesus. He is the word. So he's the one that's able to reveal to us what's really happening. Everyone say, what's really happening? And so that's why we have to look at the world we live in by the eyes of revelation. You have to look at your family by the eyes of revelation. You know, revelation will make you love your enemies. Revelation is powerful. It's light. I hope that you be flooded with light. Because sometimes revelation will make you love people that really, really just dislike you. I'm not saying hate you, dislike you. Because when you have revelation, you can see what's really happening in them that's causing them to act the way they're acting. And then you move higher up in Jesus and you love them. Does that make sense? Revelation. Everyone say revelation. That's why Christianity is so set apart because it's not a, a religion of just religion. It's a religion because there's a religious activity that goes around our faith. Um, it's, a, it's a faithful religion of revelation. That's, that's the key core value of who we are and what we do. You know, what separated the disciples from following Jesus and loving him was revelation. It wasn't that he wasn't Jesus. He was Jesus to Peter. He was Jesus to Herod. He was the same man. But what changed the response when Jesus said, follow me, and when Jesus would come to preach to these ones and the one to stone him? What was that? Revelation. Paul says that the, uh, the God of this world has blinded their eyes, that they may not see the hope of the gospel. What's that talking about? Revelation. Because they don't have revelation, they cannot see why they need to repent, why they need to accept Jesus, why they need to be sanctified, why they need to enroll their lives into a life of discipleship with the Lord. Does that make sense? So revelation is so important. I will say, if you read for us. Revelation 2-2. 2 yeah. I went up because of I went where? I went where? Because of God shows us a pattern and a principle here that in order for you to ascend in him, in order for you to ascend in the kingdom, in order for you to ascend in Christ, you have to have revelation. It's not going to come because you have new friends. If the new friends don't have revelation, you still be the same person in the same place. It's not just about going to a new church. If the new church does not have revelation, the revel and I'm going to talk about what revelation specifically in this context. If the new church does not have revelation, you're still going to be in the old. In fact, you'll be the ambassador of your old church to the new church. You need revelation. Everyone say, I need revelation. And it's powerful because Paul shows us here that he prayed that revelation comes. So revelation will not just come by studying which is important, is the foundation because once you have knowledge, the next level of what you need is revelation. So how is this going to be applied? What does this mean? Amen? So, so, so it's so important here that we see that God wants us to ascend in the kingdom. God wants us to grow. Everyone say grow. grow. But it has to happen by revelation when your eyes are open. Have you ever had this revelation where, let's say, you went to buy something here and they said, ah, it's 50,000 and you go here and it's 5,000. And you're like, what? And you, che you check the value and it's still the same value. It's not like this is fake and that's real. It's the same. And you come into this understanding that, ah, in the market, some people just inflate prices. So next time you're going to shop, you don't just go to one place. 
giving you tips. You don't just go to one place. You go to like two or three places and compare prices. Does that make sense? Revelation. Revelation is so important. And this is why Jesus in Matthew 16, uh, he asked the disciples, who do men say I am? Who do men say I am? Who do, what's the report on the streets about me? Who do men say I am? Jesus was concerned about the, the, the knowledge people had about him. Okay? He wasn't concerned about the revelation yet. That was the knowledge question. Who do men say I am? The revelation question was who do you say I am? See, because knowledge must come first. This is why you must study your word. You must develop the culture in your life where at least in a day, 30 minutes, you're in the Bible. You don't have to go, you don't have to buy one new book. Don't, don't make it too stressful for yourself if you're just starting. Just, just 30 minutes, just read. You don't even need to make notes, just read, okay? And meditate. Just think about what you read. Finish and go, go and hustle. And what happens is later on, whilst you're praying, everyone say, whilst I'm praying, the Spirit of God will flood that meditation with light and you begin to grow in understanding. Does that make sense? So you don't need to uh, uh, burden yourself with like, oh, I need to become a Bible scholar. Just take it, you know, line by line, day by day, and you grow into it. Jesus wanted to know the revelation of him that his followers carried because you can be following him, you can be following him and not have revelation. You can be following the king of all light and not have a revelation of who he is and what he's doing in your life. You see, when Peter gave him the revelation, he gave Peter back a revelation about what he's doing in Peter's life. He says, you are, you are Christ, the son of the living God, right? And he says, you are what? And on this rock... I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So what Jesus was saying, when you give me revelation, I'll give you back revelation. And this is why worship is powerful. And when you worship, you have to concentrate. Because when you start saying, Lord, you're powerful, Lord, you're glorious. And you're not just saying that because the, 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 the leaders are saying it, but you have a what? When you're giving him that, he starts giving you revelation. You are my son. And in the coming days, I will send you and I will anoint you for a purpose on the earth. He's talking to you whilst you're talking to him. We serve a talking God. Everyone say, my God speaks. So you have to understand this revelation is important. You go up by revelation. You grow in the knowledge of Christ by revelation. You grow in the kingdom of God by revelation. You're promoted on the earth by revelation. Your, your, your ventures, your hustle grow up by what? Revelation. Do you know why? Because when you are filled with the knowledge of Christ and when you have revelation of him, what happens is that it trans... The knowledge of Christ is so powerful and the principles because they are transferable. You can use them anywhere and they would work. Honor the Lord your God, right? Ch change that. You're working. Honor your leader. What you're doing to the Lord will transfer to how you respect and respond to your leader and it will cause him to find favor in his heart concerning you and lift you up. What did you do? You applied the revelation of the knowledge of the word. Does that make sense? So revelation is so important. Jesus was asking Peter and his people, the ones that were following him, the ones that were singing in the streets, the ones that were preaching. Who do you say I am? When, when you close your eyes, let me ask you, brethren, when you close your eyes, how and who do you see the Lord for? When you call his name, who do you see him as? Who do you say Jesus is? Doesn't matter what the Muslims are saying. Who do you say? 
who do you say you that are following him you that are carrying his shirts you know follow your heart follow your this follow jesus yeah okay cool who is jesus huh you tell me you tell us who is Jesus? What does it mean that he died? What does it mean that he defeated the, uh, the grave? What does it mean that he resurrected on the third day? Why didn't he resurrect on the second day? What was he doing in that middle spot? I would love to talk about how he was so merciful to go to, 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 to hell and to Hades and to preach. Jesus Christ was so passionate about his assignment that he was willing to preach in the toughest places. And one of the things you have to learn about your purpose is that there are tough places you must go and do what God has called you to do. But if you you're not a prayerful person everything about your purpose will scare you so he went down to hell and he preached but back to my point who do you say he is who is he and let's let's actually read that because that leads us to our next to the next thing i want to talk to you about go to matthew 16 matthew 16 verses 18 Matthew 16, 18. Revelation is so important. You have to pursue revelation. Pursue knowledge and pursue revelation. Revelation comes by prayer. Revelation comes by the illumination of the Holy Spirit, which is accessed in the place of prayer. Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Jesus said something very important here that gives us another glimpse of what prayer really does. Because we know that in the book of um, Jude one twenty, the Bible says, praying in the spirit, what? Building yourselves in your most holy faith. And Jesus says here, obviously, we know that the church is not the building. We know that, right? We know that we are the church. We know that we, uh, as a community, are a group of believers and we make the church. We that are called out of darkness into his marvelous light, we make the church. Jesus says here, I will build my church. Very interesting. He didn't say, I will buy my church. He didn't say, I would negotiate on how to get to my church. He said, I will build my church. Everyone say, I will build my church. So it shows us that the community of Christ, that we, the followers of the way, it shows us that God is building us. It shows us that God is not just um, passionate about us attending. He's passionate about us becoming. He said to the disciples, follow me and I will what? Make you. Stop there. Make you. Jesus wants to make you. God is so concerned about making you. He's, he's so concerned about it. So much so that he said, uh, to as many as believed on him, he gave what? Power to what? Become. He's, he's concerned about you becoming. He loves the fact that we do things for him. He loves the fact that we attend. He loves the fact that we uh, uh, participate. He loves the fact that we serve. But he's very concerned and passionate about building us. And he talks about that in context through us becoming, everyone say becoming? By him making us. So discipleship is about Jesus making you. Who is Christ making you to be? Who are you becoming over time? Are you becoming more uh, uh, angry? Are you becoming more uh, 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 confused? 
Are you becoming more lost? It may be an indication that you're not praying as you ought to. Because whenever your, your prayer life is, when your prayer life is attacked, you're under a real attack. That's a real attack. When, when your prayer life is uh, 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 given over to the variables in your life and is not given commitment, what happens is that other areas in your life start to suffer what that is going through. So your prayer life has to be given serious attention. You have to pray. Jesus says men ought to pray. He didn't say bishops ought to pray. He didn't say ministers ought to pray. He didn't say preachers ought to pray. As far as you're a man in him, you have to pray. Prayer is not a thing for women. Men must pray. Prayer is not a thing for just men. Women must pray. We all must pray. Does that make sense? And so what, what, what we see here is that Jesus wants us to become. Our king wants us to become. He, he's concerned about building us. Now, it's very, very encouraging to know that, isn't it? That God is not just about me appearing. Today, you see me, I'm this person. You know, we make all of these emotional things in culture and, and we say, you know, uh, if you miss me today, you have to beg me to be in my future. I'll just appear. You know, we make all of these sentimental statements, but the processes of God are about us becoming from glory to glory, from faith to faith. This is why you cannot be discouraged You cannot be discouraged if you're going through something now. You cannot be discouraged if there are things in your life that God is dealing with you. Do you know why? Because God is building you. Look at the person beside you and say, God is building you. You, you may have one or two addictions. You may have some instability in your emotions, but God is building you. Tap them and say, God is building you. God is building you. God is building you. God does not want you to be discouraged in your processes in the church. You may have difficulties in your family. There may be challenges at your workplace. There might be challenges in your career, but God is building you. You might be failing from Monday to Saturday, but let me tell you, God is building you. Once his seed is in you, the Bible says it's indestructible. That seed cannot perish. God is building you. Tell them one more time, God is building you. Tell them whenever you're tired, remember that Jesus is building you. Wherever you're weary, remember that Jesus is building you. Your emotions are coming intact. Your soul is coming intact. Your story is coming intact. God is building your life. And in order for him to do that, you have to pray. You must pray. Men ought to pray. You must pray. God is building you. You're becoming something. Isn't that exciting that you're not just coming to church, you're becoming something. You're not just doing God's work, you're becoming. Everyone say, I'm becoming. He's making you. And when he's done making you, you will become a fisher of men. You don't become a fisher of men, then he makes you. No, he makes you a fisher of men. Does that make sense? So God is building you. 1 Corinthians 3.19, the Bible says we are God's building. And God, God calls you his building. Does that, does, that, does that resonate in your hearts that God calls you his building? The Bible says that we are the temple of the, of the Holy Ghost. This shows us that God is not just so concerned with where we worship. God is not just so concerned with where you pray, with where you're interceding. I have to lay these foundations. We're getting to the meat of this. But God is not so concerned with how, how you attend church, what you wear, and all of these things that we make priority. God is concerned that you know you are his building by revelation and you respond to that through prayer. First Peter 2.9. Now let's journey. First Peter 
Is this making sense? Is this blessing you? 1 Peter 2.9. Let's all go to 1 Peter 2.9. Are you all there? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is so important. The Bible says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Everyone say priesthood. Priesthood. One of the things you have to understand is that you're a priest. I want you to slap the shoulder of your neighbor and say you're a priest. And we're not talking about the Catholic sense of it in that you're involved in ceremonies on the altar because we know that by virtue of the New Testament, some of the things that our brothers, our brothers in the Catholic Church do are not necessary. Amen. When we call upon the name of the Lord, we have access. I know that might be challenging for you, but it's the Bible. Okay, so we have to receive that. When we, when, we, when we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, or in the Hebrew, Yahushua, when we call his name, we have access into him. And so when God gives us a priestly calling, what he's giving us is an access calling. Uh, priestly duties are, are, are the, is, is, is a consecrated ministry of the believer to minister to God consecrated ministry of the believer to minister to God. One of your assignments and your purpose is to become a priest. You've been anointed to be one, but you need to become it. You're a priest. Everyone say, I'm a priest. You're a priest. And what that means is that God has chosen you. This is why Peter says you're chosen first. God has chosen you to be a minister unto him. God loves you. God likes you to minister to him. So he gave you an office called priesthood. Everyone say priesthood. Now priesthood is so consecrated. This is why the prayer of the church when they prayed for Peter was so powerful because when they were praying, they were praying as priests. They were not just praying as men. They were praying as priests. And this is the advantage you and I have in our prayer life. The moment you come to the Lord, once you accept the Lord Jesus in your heart, and we're going to give an opportunity for that. I feel like there's some of you that need to recommit to God or give God a fresh commitment. But once you give the Lord your heart, once you invite him into your life, even though he's bigger than your life, really and truly is you going into his life. Once you invite him into your life, what happens is that he, 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 he bones you again. He removes your old nature and puts his new nature he takes away your old uh, uh, consciousness and he gives you a, a freedom consciousness the bible calls it he takes away the sin consciousness and then he gives you the blood of jesus who's watch which which washes your conscience according to the book of hebrews and so what god wants us to understand is that when when he calls us to prayer we are not just praying as a group of people gathered to pray but we're praying from an office is different. If today, for example, Manny goes on the streets now and he starts saying, everybody stop your car. I said, stop your car. You didn't hear me shouting. And you know Manny likes to shout. You didn't hear me shouting. And they're like, oh God, move. And they, you know, they go. But if a policeman comes and he says, stop your car, does he need to shout? Once you see his uniform, <laughs> you know, okay, you yourself stop your car, right? Why? Because of his office. And this is what, who we are as priests. We are official ministers unto God. 
Everyone say, I am an official minister unto God. Now, this is not speaking about your call to ministry to people. This is speaking about your call to ministry to God. And this is the beginning point of everything God has prophesied over you. Can I tell you that you will not become anything God has called you to be originally or authentically without your priesthood office? It's the primary office. It's the primary duty and calling of the believer. I, I want you to make it your, your priority. I have made it mine to be first a minister that loves the Lord first. Before I become anything to the public, before I do anything to the public, I will make sure that nothing comes in between my, my ministry to Jesus. It's to him. When I'm studying the Bible, I'm not studying it for anybody. I'm studying it unto the Lord. Why? So that I can be filled with the knowledge of him. So that when I go to talk to him, I'm not saying random things. I'm talking to him as somebody that knows him. I'm talking to him from his word. And it blesses his heart because he's listening to his minister that knows him. Does that make sense? And in this year, I want you to make one of your assignments to become a great priest. And that is a secret ambition. It's not something that you're going to, if you're a great priest, this is how it works. If you're a great priest unto the Lord in secret, he will reward you in public. Your priesthood is not a public thing. You know, you can pray on Periscope, you can pray on Facebook Live. That, that, that doesn't take away anything you do to the public. But your priority, your intentionality, your energy has to be put in the secret place to minister unto God. And so God has called us to become priests. And this is why when Peter was in trouble, what happened was they went into their office and they started praying. Yeah. Father God, in the name of Jesus, in the old times they would speak, of course, complete Hebrew. We ask, Father, that you just begin to send intercession and help to our brother Peter. We're asking, Lord Jesus, that you release the power of God to deliver him from the snares of the enemy. We're asking that you give him liberty in the midst of his bondage. They were praying for him. They were making de declarations over him and something was happening. Why? Because they were priests and they knew that. They had revelation about that. That's what made it powerful. And so one of your pursuits in this year, in this month has to be to grow in revelation, particularly in your priesthood, so that your prayers carry more weight. Why is it that when people are sick, they don't go to anybody? Why? Because they know certain people take their walk with God seriously. And because they do, automatically they have more power, they have more authority, right? And what gives them that leverage? Priesthood. Because God has chosen us to be priests. Now, this is not, like I said, it is not a set-apart thing for just the leaders or the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, the pastors. It's not. It is for every believer. It's your ministry to God. In the Old Testament, it was the sons of Levi. In the New Testament, it's every believer. Prayer is a function of priesthood. The Bible says that Elijah was a man with like passions like you and I. But what did he do? He prayed. Can you imagine that the thing that stopped rain from an entire nation was a priest's prayer? Was the prayer of somebody who knew who they were in God. The Bible literally breaks it down so that we don't amplify or exaggerate who Elijah was when he did that. It tells us he was a man with like passions. 
Elijah was able to pray God's will and he was able to even, we don't even know if it was God's will. He was able to pray his desire to be manifest on a nation. Prayer. Everyone say prayer. Prayer. And I'm going to talk to you about uh, 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 the secrets of prayer and the functions of prayer in a bit. But I want to really emphasize that you're a priest. And this is why you don't have to struggle to pray. You don't have to, to, oh, I don't know how to pray. You don't have to start thinking logically. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's just, it's in your nature. And when you focus on that, the utterances start coming. You have the boldness and the confidence to start making declarations and statements to God because you know who you are. You know, I'm not here thinking, am I a man? Am I? Who am I? No, I know I'm a man. <laughs> like, it's not a debate. You know, even if 700 people say, oh, you're a woman, I, I, does it change anything? Why? Because I know I'm a man. So there's certain things automatically that I just respond to because I know who I am, right? The same way you're a priest. And because you're that, there are things that you should pray normally. You should give yourselves over to. Does that make sense? David. David was in trouble. Let's go to 1 Samuel 30. Let's go to 1 Samuel 30 and I'll show you how this king activated priesthood when he was in trouble. 1 Samuel 30, 7 to 12. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Abimelech, bring me the ephod. Now the ephod was the garment, look at me, was the garment that the priest wore to go into the tabernacle to do the uh, altar work, to light up the incense, to put the charcoals where they need to be. They wore an ephod. Everyone say ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook of Bessor, who, uh, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued. He and 400 men, 200 men stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross over the brook. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate. Key thing here for you and I is that when David was in trouble, he didn't go to his friends. He didn't go to Instagram. He didn't go to Facebook. He didn't go to Twitter. Guess what? He went to priesthood. He didn't go to his, his mentors. He didn't go to the streets. He went into an office. I'm telling you that this is a thing you can activate. And we're going to do it today. But one of the things you have, I'm, I'm, I'm making you know who you are so that when you journey through this year, you're very aware every challenge that comes, you know, okay, I know what to activate. If you have 300 guns and there's an ant before you, will you pick an AK-47 to kill the ant? No, you just do this. So prayer, priesthood is like that. It's a weapon God has made you. God has made you a weapon in his hand. He made you a priest. He made us priests. And so when we pray now, we're not just praying, Father God, we thank you right now. No, the moment we say, Father God, in the name we've entered, we're in the priesthood place now. 
Now our utterances carry a different level. They carry a different weight. And I want to encourage you, next time you're in trouble, beloved, remember you're a priest. You're not just a priest after Levi, you're a priest after Jesus. That's an eternal priesthood. That means that your anointing to be a priest will never ever run dry. That means that the moment you call upon the name of the Lord, he will answer you. Because you're a priest. You're a priest. Everyone say, I'm a priest. God wants you to be like David. Next time you have a situation you're not sure of. Next time there's, there's, there's burdens on your back. Next time you're not sure about the future. Go into. Next time you have challenges. Your enemies are around about you. You don't know what the Lord is saying. You don't know what the Lord is doing. Go into. Next time they insult you. Next time they persecute you. Don't go to Twitter and indirect them. Don't go to Facebook and indirect them. Go to priesthood go into your office and activate the anointing god has given you you don't have to fight for this he gave you he has made us priests a royal priesthood and do you see the category he even calls us it's not the same as levites in the in the in the old testament he says a royal priesthood that means that the moment you enter into your priesthood office god is not just seeing you as he saw the old testament priest he's seeing you as royalty because of his son because of the finished works of the cross you're a priest David activated it and, and, and God spoke to him immediately. And this is the fastest way to get answers from God. How many of you need answers in this season? Come on, wave at me, wave at me. How many of you, there are things you're praying, God, should I, should I not? Is it, is, is it not? Let me tell you the fastest way is to enter into your priesthood and begin to make utterances and spiritual sacrifices unto God. And the moment you're doing that, God will respond. Now, there are things we need to know about prayer. The first thing is, in prayer is an ultimate sign of humility. Ultimate sign of humility. The moment you go into prayer, what you're saying to the Lord is, the Lord, I can't do this. I may have the money, the resource, the intelligence, but Lord, even now, if I die, I can't complete it. Why? So why? Because without life, we can't do anything. You, have, you can have everything, but if you're dead, it's nothing, right? So you still recognize that you are God's creation. I was made by you. I have been adopted by you. I am your child. Even if uh, Dangote gives me all of his money now, Lord, I can't, I can't not come to you because on my way to get the money, I can die. You have to be very practical. You know, I can be anything, but I'm yours. Does that make sense? And so I depend on you. I rely on you. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we depend on the name of the Lord. It is, it is a, 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 the ultimate sign of, of humility, prayer. When you get up in the morning, you don't don't burden yourself and, and make yourself think you have to be a, a fiery intercessor immediately. There's importance, and we're going to talk about that. But you should just be able to talk to God. Just talk to him. Sometimes in the morning, I just play my music. I don't have the energy to pray. I just play my music and I meditate. And whilst I'm doing that, I find out that maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes in, when I'm concentrating, energy comes to me. And then I start getting stared in my spirit. And then before I know I'm up and I'm making declarations and I'm talking to God in priest. Good. So humility. First Peter 5, 6, Jesus, the, the, Peter says there that uh, if you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you. The, the arm of flesh will never prevail. The, the, the race is not for the swift, it's for the prayerful. 
The race is not for the fast, it's not for the creative. It's for the prayerful. The future is not for the creative. It's for the prayerful. It's for the priests. Because it's been prophesied, by the way, in the book of Daniel, in the book of Revelation, he has given the kingdoms of this world over to his people. Who are those people? A chosen generation, royal priesthood. And then everything else that we do comes under priesthood. Does that make sense? I want you, whenever you hear the word priest, be stirred. I want you, wherever you see the word, be stirred, be charged in your spirit, man, knowing that, God, I am this before you. That means if 500 human beings are standing in a place and there's chaos, I can stand in priesthood and start talking to God and change activity there. What happened was when Peter was in trouble, the church knew, okay, we don't need to go persuade a Herod. We don't need to go protest. We need to pray. We need to enter into our priesthood and start talking to God. We need to start charging the angels. We need to start invoking heavenly activity by priesthood. Priesthood. Everyone say priesthood. I want you for the rest of your life, raise your brothers, your sisters, your children, your nieces, your nephews as priests. Make them know that you are a priest unto Jesus. And whenever you're in trouble, say in the name of the Lord and he will answer you. I want you to have that cognition and pass it on. Everyone say pass it on. Because the moment we do that, what's happening is that the body of Christ is getting more powerful everywhere. And the moment we start praying together, there's activity. There's activity globally. We would, we would even have the ability to prepare the earth for our Lord's coming. The Bible says the spirit and the bride say what? The spirit and the bride say come. That tells us that we have a part to play with his return. The spirits, I want you to think. The spirits, where's the Holy Spirit? And the bride, who is the bride? Say, that means he, we have a part to play. So I want you, you, you that love prayer, keep loving it. In fact, I challenge you, love it more this year. You that don't know how to pray and you're trying to grow in it, in the name of the Lord, lift your hand. By the power of his spirit, wherever you are, you are struggling with prayer. You don't have the utterances. You don't have the bravery. By the power, you that can pray, pray with me. By the power in the name of Jesus, we release your tongue. In fact, we ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you and to give you new utterances in the name of Jesus. Everything that stagnates you from talking to your father everything that holds you from praying by the power in his name we command your spirit to receive of his spirit and be able to talk to him with power boldness and authority unto the redemption of your soul priests we are priests we are priests i believe god is going to charge the body of christ in this year so much with this revelation i believe that even in this decade god is going to charge us with this because i was praying towards the uh the eve of uh, of last year and 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 i'm not really i don't rate myself to be somebody that uh hears for the nations or anything i just hear and i just say but the lord actually said to me whilst i was praying that there will be a lot of mourning on the earth and how many people have we seen die just how many days in the in 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 the first year and i was scared because i was thinking what is this what the lord was saying 
There will be challenges around us. There will be situations around us. Things to make us panic, fear, lose faith, be unsure. But if you walk in your priesthood, you have nothing to fear. If you hold on to who you are, which is a priest in Jesus, you have nothing to fear because by your utterances, things can... That's it. That's it. Humility. Now, prayer is so important because it's the transportation mechanism from heaven to earth. I want you to realize that when Jesus said on earth as in heaven, he was praying. We don't realize this. He wasn't rapping. He wasn't teaching. He wasn't preaching. He was praying. He said, pray in this. Our Father who art in, hallowed be thy name. Go on. Thy, where? He was what? Praying. He was teaching them prayer. So that tells me that in our lives, in our world, that if we want to see heaven, it's going to come through prayer. Prayer is not just uh, 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 chanting and, you know, doing something. It is not. It is the car. Okay. It's the airplane that goes outbound heaven, inbound earth, outbound earth. Inbound, heaven, prayer is your plane. Can I bless you? Your aeroplane is about to lift. Does that make sense to your mind? God is about to make your transportation system more efficient. God is going to give every repair that you need. God is going to make you more intelligent as a pilot. God is going to make you more creative as an airbound person. God is going to give you power over the winds and the waves. God is going to give you intelligence on how to chart the course from earth into the holy of holies. Prayer is my plane. Prayer is my airplane. Prayer is my car. Prayer is my train. If I want to move something from God's will to my life, I must. Jesus, when he came on the earth, he was praying. He was making sure that I'm not doing anything without my transportation system. As much as I'm the son of God, there's a, there's a, there's a set system for when Abba wants to bring things to this place I am. And it's called prayer. 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 Utterances to God, desires being made known to God, transportation system. I want you to remember that when Jesus was saying on earth as it is in heaven, he was praying. He wasn't creating something that would help the church grow. He was praying. So think about that every time. Another function and power of prayer. I've given you three. I've told you that humility is the first vehicle. I said transportation system. The third one is binding and loosing. In Matthew 18, 18, Jesus told Peter that now you have the authority. Wherever you bind on earth is bound in. Wherever you loose in heaven is, is loose on earth. And, and what he was saying to him is now you have authority to bind and loose. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 18, someone go there quick. I want to show you something. Binding and loosing. That's allow and disallow. Disallow and allow. Binding and loosing. Jesus said, now because you know who I am, therefore you know who you are. Because when you told me I'm the son of God, I told you, you are Peter, the son of God. And in this work, I will build my church. Now I've given you authority now to bind and loose. So I've given you authority to allow things and to disallow things. Who's in 1 Thessalonians 2.18? Read it out. Come on, shout Yes. Mm. Mm. Satan hindered us. Can you imagine? Paul said we wanted to do something, but Satan hindered us. 
That, that shows you that the devil has the ability to disallow things in a believer's life. He can come and raise himself up in your life. He can come knowing that the Lord has said something to you and come and challenge it in your life. Now, now it's left for you. Because God has said it for you. It's now left for you to allow it or to disallow it. And through prayer, you have the transportation and the weaponry to allow it. To disallow whatever the devil is putting before you. It's so, so key for you to realize that. That the authority to allow and disallow the things that prophecies in your life. Everyone say, I have a prophecy. There are things God has said about you. There are things that God has said, whether it happens hundred times, they will not die of this. Whether the enemy tries it six million times, they will not die of this. Whether the enemy, and I feel like there's some people here who are sick in their body, who have issues in their body, and God is saying, you will not die of that disease. You will not die of that sickness. And God has made a declaration and a prophecy about you, and you've come to the knowledge and awareness of it. Your duty now is to allow it. How do you allow it? Go into the place of prayer and say, Father, I thank you now. What have you done? You've entered priesthood. Father, I thank you now because what you said concerning me shall come to pass. What you say, oh God, shall not return to you nor land but it will fulfill that which you have sent it to. I thank you, Father, now, because no power in hell will stop your word from performing that which you have sent it to accomplish. I thank you, Father, right now, because your word is charged with fire and inside my heart there is faith for this word. And so, Father, right now, I activate the word of God in my spirit. Let there be a charge in all God according to your will. Does that make sense? You're charging the word of God and you become good ground for that prophecy to come to pass. The fourth thing here is that impartations and anointings grow in the place of prayer. And I'm going to give you four secrets after this and we will pray. In Acts 2, they were not holding a coffee talk. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just giving you real talk. If your anointing and your grace in life will grow, you must go deeper in priesthood. Ataliba, sorry, I have a word for you. And the Lord is saying... In this year, I have set apart the horn to pour upon you. But you must give yourself to longer hours of personal prayer and consecrate yourself. Do not be distracted, for I have set my decision to increase you in this year. And you must give yourself to prayer, Alexia. God wants you to realize that what's on your life can grow. It can expand. It can increase. But you must pray. In Acts 2, do you realize that the apostles knew how to preach? Do you know that before Acts 2, they would go out and preach and come back and give Jesus a report? They knew this stuff. But what happened in Acts 2? They received another level. The Holy Spirit came in his fullness as fire upon them. And what happened was they, they say that Peter's sermon is the best sermon to have ever been preached by a human being. He went out there and said, these men you see are not drunk. But they have been filled with the Holy Spirit as it was prophesied by Joel. He began to preach to them with another level, another grace. What happened? He was, he was what? Praying. They were praying in Acts 2. It's good that I do this sometimes because I need to know that you're following. He was praying in the upper room with the rest of the believers. All of them were praying. When they went out, there was another level. Why? Because they were so what's on your life can grow. It can increase by prayer. Secrets of prayer. Let me give you four of them. God hears you. 
1 John 5, 15. We have an audience with God. We have this confidence. 1 John 5, 15 says that when we pray, he hears us. He heareth us. He heareth us. I want you to know the moment you start saying, Father, his eyes and his ears have turned to you. He's your father. You must pray to him. He hears you. That's the first secret. It's a secret. You know that if everyone is chatting, nobody's listening to me. If I go and pray, he hears me. Second thing is there are different times, different types of prayer for different times. Okay. So 1 Timothy 2.1 says that we should offer thanksgiving, supplication, and then he even says intercession. And he gives us four, I believe, four types of prayer. Now, as you give yourself to just prayer, you grow in the knowledge of knowing what gear you need to push the will of God. Okay. If a pilot is flying and there's turbulence, he knows how to manipulate that plane to find balance in the air to still get to his destination. When, the print, when God said something concerning Daniel, the prince of Persia had what stopped it from coming to him, right? But because he gave himself to prayer and fasting, he knew the pressure to put in prayer, uh, the faith to put in prayer, the type of utterances, the type of things to say, to, to, to put pressure and release the angel of the Lord to bring what God had for him. You, that grows over time. There's different types of prayer for different times. You might be in a groaning place. God is not expecting you to say anything. He's just expecting you to say, oh! And keep saying, oh, oh, that's what God is expecting. You might be in a moaning place. You might be in a murmuring place. You might be in a stammering place or tongues. You might be in an English place. You might be in an house place. There are different types. You, you might be in a sober thanksgiving place. You might be in an in a intercessory place where you need to put coals of fire upon your words. That means you have to charge yourself, okay? Second, that's different types for different times. Then there's the, the secret of time. Everyone say time. Time is a secret in prayer. Jesus says, watch with me one hour. I was thinking, why didn't he say two hours? Why didn't he say just watch with me? He said one hour. Why? Because there's a principle in prayer. As you decrease, he increases. Yeah. So this is why you have to train yourself. Prayer is training. Give yourself. Put your time on the phone. Put 30 minutes. Try. You can't pray in tongues, pray in English. Put 10 minutes. Okay, say, okay, I try. Train yourself. Build yourself up. Build one hour. Build two hours. Build three hours. Build yourself as a prayer marshal. What happens is when you do that in secret, when you come out, you can go to an interview and they say, sorry, today we're not giving anybody retete. And you say, please, speak to your manager. I believe I'll have an audience. The woman just comes under the anointing. Because of what you said by faith, right? Because you've been with the Lord in priesthood and you get access there. Everyone was denied, but you had it. Why? The priesthood duty you carried out put an oil upon your words that gave you access in the world. Time. Everyone say time. Spend time with him. Abide. Teach yourself. Train yourself. Okay, today I was able to do 20 minutes. Okay, let me try, let me try 25 tomorrow. Okay, let me try one hour. 30 minutes you want to stand up, your belly will start talking to you, bruv, there's chicken. You know, you probably hear your mom laughing and just eating. You probably hear them, bring, bring the juice. And you're thinking, yes, Lord, I bless you, Jesus. <laughs> yes. You know, but you train yourself. You say, no, 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 no. Let me try. Let me try at least 45 today. Then I'll push to one hour. You build yourself. Give yourself one year, six months. Don't rush it. It's who you are. So you'll be doing it for the rest of your life. And you grow. By the time you're 40, your children know when dad is praying, there's no issue. 
when 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 you call, they say, mommy says, don't worry, I'll pray about it. They would go out and go and party. And then you have to lay hands on them after. Because they knew their mom said she would pray. And for them, it's just this. Every time mom prays, God does something. They don't know much. They don't have revelation yet. But they know every time dad prays, something happens. But you've built it in the days of your youth. My God, you were spending time with the God of your salvation, building something. And now your children are benefactors of the spiritual climate you built. Priesthood. Everyone say priesthood. The last thing is for utterances. Everyone say utterances. As priests, we don't have to kill a ram, kill a goat. Our sacrifices are our lips. This is why some of you that cuss, I know it's hard. Listen, I promise you. <laughs> I, I've never, let me, let me just confess. I have never actually struggled with cussing, yeah? So using like the F word and rhetoric, like this year. I have caught myself and I'm like, what? You just said it. And I'm literally screaming, arguing with myself. You said it. I'm like, no, it was just in my heart. No, you said it. Because I know how nice can be. Road rage, you see one brother from, from nowhere just appear in your front. You know, you're ready to swear on his grandmother's life. Yesterday, I said to a guy, your car is cursed. And then I was just like, no, Lord, I'm so sorry, Father, please. Like, I literally, I was, I was so broken after. So I repented, so I'm forgiven. So you, you see what I'm saying? So you have to, have to really, really understand that your tongue is, so all you have is your mouth. You know, that's why you can't just kiss anything. Can I help you? You can't just suck everything because your mouth is all you have. You have to consecrate yourself. And when the Lord releases your mouth to be married, you know, or in the season that he tells you you're, you're allowed to do certain things, then you do it. But as the scripture said, you have to flee sexual immorality because all you have is your mouth. When you say lamb of God, that's all you have. You can't make a lamb. When you say the blood of Jesus, that's all you have. When you say, Father, I invite your presence in this place, that's all you have and your faith and it happens so that's why in this season god wants you to clean your mouth you understand don't don't condemn yourself it's good that you found out now like me that you need to repent you know and be careful so now i i genuinely have to be more careful but same thing as you you know maybe there's few areas work on it because god is building so god is doing it amen so I want you to realize that when the church prayed here, there were so many factors that made that angel come and do that. So many factors. And do you have an idea of some of them now? Come on, shout some of them to me. Prayer, yes. Priesthood, yes. Yes, consecration. Revelation. Give me some secrets they used. Time, yes. Utterances, hallelujah. Give me one more. Huh? God hears us. They knew that. Let's rise up. And I just want you to just begin to speak to God from everything that has ministered to you in this moment. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you were blessed by the message. To listen to more, consider subscribing, sharing, and rating the podcast. We love you.